like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 29, please. Psalm 29. Psalm 29. Verses 1 and 2, Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2, it reads, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord, in the beauty of holiness. Let's bow for prayer. O God, we bless you and we praise you that you are worthy of glory. O God, teach us this morning the importance of glorifying your name. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The title of my sermon this morning is To God Be the Glory. To God Be the Glory. As we rejoice in 50 years of God's grace as a New Testament church, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. The word glory, or words connected with glory, like glorified and glorious, appears no less than 500 times in the Scriptures. 500 times. The word glory is found within the pages of Scripture. The word glory on its own appears some 400 times. And then some synonyms, uh, offshoots of glory, make up almost half a thousand times. So God is uh, concerned about his glory. And God is worthy of glory. And I trust and pray that as we glorify God in what he has done in and through this church over the past 50 years, that it will encourage us all concerning the mandate for you and I to glorify God. The Bible teaches us that we are created for God's glory. We are created for God's glory. God has created you and I for his glory, to give God the glory. Now you might be asking the question, what does the word glory mean? The word glory means to shine upon, to focus upon, to look upon, to give attention to, or to draw attention to, 
To God be the glory means that we shine the light upon God. That's what it means to give God the glory. It's not complicated. We show honour to him by focusing upon God, shining the light upon God, where God is seen and God is focused upon. And in our text this morning, we are commanded to give God glory. We are commanded to give God glory. The Bible reads there in verse 2, Give unto the Lord the glory, then note the next word, due, due unto his name. We are commanded to give God glory because he is worthy of our glory. He is worthy of our glory. And then the verse goes on to read, Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. So in giving God glory, it's a means of you and I worshipping our God. Worshipping our God. We are called to worship God. We are to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to John chapter 4, verse 24. And the Bible teaches us, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. God is worthy of glory. God is worthy of the spotlight. God is worthy of the attention. God is worthy of the focus. God is worthy of honour. God is worthy of glory. And we are commanded to show him honour by glorifying God. He is worthy. And as we glorify God in and through our lives, we are expressing his worthiness. We are expressing our worship of God. We are worshipping God in the beauty of his holiness. The triune holy God is to be worshipped and one means by which we can worship him is by giving him glory. To God be the glory. So we see from this passage of Scripture that we are commanded to give God glory because he is worthy of glory and in giving God glory we are expressing our worship of him within the context of his holiness, the beauty of his holiness. Turn with me to Jeremiah, please, chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9. Verse number 23 and verse number 24. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, it reads, Thus saith the Lord, 
Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So this passage of Scripture clearly spells out to you and I, not only are we commanded to give God glory because he is worthy of that glory and giving God the glory in and through our lives is a way of expressing our worship to God, but also our passage here teaches us that we are to glory in God alone and not in ourselves. Now, God knows the human heart. God knows our hearts. So therefore, God spells out very clearly, let him that glorieth glory in this. Let not the wise man glory in what he knows, in his wisdom. Don't glory in your strength. There's no place to glory in your riches. But if anybody is worthy of glory, it is Almighty God. Because that knowledge, that strength, that wealth could be gone tomorrow. No guarantee. You could lose your memory, lose your strength, lose your wealth in 24 hours. You and I could be living on the streets by this time tomorrow. Oh, but Pastor, that's never going to happen. <laughs> Who are you kidding? possible so therefore don't glory in what you know don't glory in your strength well that strength will fade my mind is still 21 as a way of testimony but my body is not (laughs) and I'm working that out in our riches well, the Bible talks about our riches are like birds that have wings and they fly away. So the Bible teaches us don't glory in yourself because it's not permanent. But let's glory in he that is from eternity to eternity, God who is all-loving, 
God who is just, God who is right, let's glory in God. Let's glory in the God of the Bible. Let's glory in God's person. Let's glory in God's works. Let's glory in what God does because what God does is eternal. What you and I do is temporal. We have to glory in God, not in ourselves. Now, this is not in reference to honoring people. There is a place for honoring individuals. It's not what we're referring to this morning. But for you and I to glory in what we have, in our ability, and what we know is futile because it can be gone within 24 hours or less. We have to glory in God, not in ourselves. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 48, please. Isaiah chapter 48. Isaiah chapter 48, verse number 10 and 11. Isaiah chapter 48, verses 10 and 11. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 10 reads, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. Then note verse 11, for mine own sake, even for mine own sake will I do it. Do what? God will refine us. Through the furnace of what? Talk to me. Affliction. Oh. Let's say it together. One more time. Yeah, I know it's not a nice word. But God is saying, I will go to the extent of refining you even through the furnace of affliction. And God said, I will do it. Why? Look at verse 11. For how should my name be polluted? This is the reason why God will refine us at times through the furnace of affliction. For I will not give my glory unto another. I will not give my glory unto another. So Psalm 29 teaches us that we are commanded to give God the glory because God is worthy of glory. And as we glorify God, we worship him in the beauty of his holiness. And then in Jeremiah 9, we note the fact that we are to glory in God alone, not in ourselves. And here in verse number 11 specifically, God spells out the fact that he will not share 
his glory with others. God will not share his glory with others. Go back to Isaiah 42, please. Isaiah 42. In verse number 8, it reads, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. God will not share his glory with others. Because God alone is worthy of the spotlight. God alone is worthy of the attention. God has not set aside portions of glory for you and I. He is to receive all the glory. And as the old hymn written by Fanny Crosby is titled, To God Be the Glory. Full stop. Not God plus you and I. To God be the glory. And we see within the pages of Scripture individuals that sought glory only to find out the hard way. Oh no, only God is worthy of glory and God will not share his glory with anyone or anything. A good example of this is found in the book of Acts, chapter 12, please. Turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 12. Verses 20. To 23. Acts chapter 12, it reads, And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. But they came in one accord to him, and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain their friend, desired peace, because their country was nourished by the king's country. Then note verse 21, And upon a set day Herod... This Herod is not Herod the Great. This is King Herod Agrippa I. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of a man. So as Herod, King Agrippa I, made his speech and the setting here, we need to understand that within the Roman Empire, a a person that held a position such as Herod did, you were considered a God. And the people said, 
It is the voice of a God. As King Agrippa I spoke, and not of a man. And King Herod received this glory. He might not have verbally said, yes, you're right, I am a God. But God knows the heart of man. We would assume Herod didn't say, you're right, I speak as God, not as man. But this is the his attitude, his reception, and note what took place in verse 23. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him. Why? Because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. What does that mean, Pastor? He dropped dead on the spot. He dropped dead on the spot because he received glory as if he was a God. See, God will not share his glory with others. In fact, we have examples in Scripture like 1 Samuel chapter 4, please, that God does remove the presence of his glory at times. Here in 1 Samuel chapter 4, With the defeat of Israel at the hand of the Philistines and the taking of the ark of God, note here in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 21 and 22, it reads, And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel, because the ark of God was taken and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. And this is a wonderful illustration for you and I concerning the fact that God will not share his glory. And you and I need to be careful lest we seek glory. Because God won't share it. It will come to naught. And I've been amazed over the years as I've noticed certain individuals happy to receive glory and to be considered as an immortal within their realm, within their sports ability, or within their entertainment ability or within their wealth ability, only to find that many of these individuals come to naught. Come to naught. So God will not share his glory. And here in 1 Samuel chapter 4, we see that God removes the presence of his glory at times due to sin and disobedience. 
Go to Matthew chapter 6, please. Matthew chapter 6. We're just highlighting a few of the 500-odd verses on glory this morning. Just to whet our appetites concerning the fact that to God be the glory. And we need to glorify God. Note here in Matthew chapter 6, please, verse number 2. The Lord Jesus instructs that we are not to seek glory. We are not to seek the glory of men. Note here in Matthew 6, 2. Therefore, Jesus said, when thou doest thine arms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily, or truly I say unto you, they have their reward. So the Bible teaches us very clearly that if you and I seek our own glory, God will take note. Jesus said, they have their reward. See, we are created to glorify God, and God is serious about receiving glory. Glory alone. He won't share his glory with another. And if you and I try to jump in the, in the limelight, then God will deal with us. Note there in Matthew 6.13 it reads, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. For how long? Forever. See, God is worthy of glory forever. Amen. In and through your life, in and through my life, we need to concern ourselves with giving God the glory for eternal glory belongs to God. It belongs to God. Now, as sinners, we naturally fall short of God's glory. We see this spelled out very clearly in the book of Romans, please. Romans chapter 3, please. I know many of us are familiar with this verse, but may I submit to you that most of us don't focus on this part of the verse. Do we? Talk to me. We don't. We focus upon the first part of verse 23. Romans 3.23, the Bible reads, For all have sinned. Oh, we've memorized that bit. We know that bit. And 99.99% of the time when we quote Romans 3.23, that's all we quote. Fall of sin. That's true. But verse 23 goes on to read, and come short. Come short of what? The glory of God. Fall of sin and come short of the glory of God. The world is guilty before God as sinners in need of deliverance. 
Look at verse 24 and 25 of Romans chapter 3. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And verse 25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So how has God rectified the fact that we are all sinful and we have all fallen short of God's glory? Well, he's rectified this problem in and through his Son, Jesus Christ. That you and I can be justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. And that is faith in his blood that was shed upon Mount Calvary to provide forgiveness and to provide satisfaction before a holy, just, righteous God. Salvation through faith is our only hope. See, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, as sinners we naturally fall short of God's glory. Salvation in Jesus Christ is our only hope. If we are to give God the glory, then we need his salvation. Look at verse 28, please, of Romans chapter 3. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. It's by faith alone. Salvation through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That not only saves you and I from our sin, but gives us the ability to glorify God. Because for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There needs to be that relationship. If you go into Romans chapter 4, please, note there verses 2 to verse 5. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scriptures? Abraham believed God. It was counted unto him for righteousness. Verse 4, now to him that worketh is the reward reckoned of grace, but of debt. But verse 5, but to him that worketh not, to him that doesn't trust in his own ability, but believeth on him, that justified the ungodly, which is Jesus Christ, his faith is counted for righteousness. My friend, if you and I are to bring glory to God, 
We need to have a relationship with the God of the Bible. It's as simple as that. Because for all have sinned and come short of what? The glory of God. An unbeliever cannot glorify God. If you are without Christ this morning, you cannot glorify God. I'd like to encourage you on this first Sunday of 2024 to acknowledge that you are a sinner and you've fallen short of the mark which is glory to God and Jesus Christ was willing to die for your sin and he was buried and rose again for your justification. And if you and I will repent and receive Jesus Christ as Saviour, we can be born into the family of God, have a relationship with God, and therefore we can glorify God. Note there in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it reads of Romans, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith, into this grace wherein we stand and note and rejoice in hope of what? The glory of God. There it is. See? I'm not telling you fibs. Fall of sin and come short of the glory of God. And when you and I receive Jesus Christ as Saviour, we can glorify God. Let me ask you this morning, are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus Christ, the Saviour? You cannot glorify God in and of yourself. You need a relationship with the God of glory, Jesus Christ, in order to be able to glorify God. Amen. Amen. God is glorified with every soul saved for which he has provided salvation. And when you and I, by faith, receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our own personal Saviour, in Christ we have the ability to glorify God. We not only have peace and hope, we have the ability to glorify God. Glory is not our rightful claim. It is God's and God's alone. One more verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm almost done. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. It reads, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatever you do, let's say it together, do all to the glory of God. Whatever, whenever you eat, you drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory 
of God. You camp workers this week, serve for the glory of God. You kitchen workers, serve for the glory of God. Those of you running games and activities, do so for the glory of God. For those of us that remain behind and are in prayer, let's do so for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Therefore, we are to give God full glory. And beloved, this is only possible when we have the presence of the God of glory in our lives through faith, by faith alone. And from this basis, we can choose to glorify God in and through our lives. As I said earlier, it's individuals that make up the New Testament church. And as we unite within this New Testament church and serve in unity, God will work and God will be glorified. Our goal this year in celebrating the milestone of 50 years as a New Testament church is that God will be glorified. To God be the glory. As we glorify God for what he has done, we will look to God by faith to what he will do in the future. And the more you and I are faithful, God will receive more glory. To God be the glory. Unto him be glory. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end, Amen. We are commanded to give God glory. God will not share his glory with you and I. And as sinners, we fall short of God's glory. But when an individual receives the gift of God, which is eternal life, and they enter into that relationship with Christ, it's from that basis we can glorify God. So I'd like to encourage you during the course of this year to give God the glory. Is God glorified in your life? I'd like to challenge you this morning to determine in 2024 to bring glory to God. And God willing, if the Lord tarries his return, we'll just will show you how, how do you do that, Pastor? Well, that's a good question. How do we glorify God? What brings glory to God? That's a good question. 
And we'll answer that question during the course of the year. Well, let's determine first and foremost to give God the glory. Let's have heads bowed, eyes closed for a moment.